Awesome. That's great. Anybody else? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, God, for all of your blessings, Lord God. We thank you that you, that you watch over us, God, and that you're a good father and that you give us so many good gifts, Lord. I just thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your blessings. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would move in this place and that you would fill our lives with hope and expectancy, Lord God, that you have good things in store for us, Lord God. Let every Every bit of dread and hopelessness be replaced, Lord God, with the hope of your salvation, with your good gifts, Lord God. Let our minds be transformed, Lord God, to think like you think, God, that our hearts may be navigated, Lord God, by your spirit. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> How many of you named yourself through a nickname? You, any, you changed your name. How many of you named yourself? Anyone? It's funny. I didn't expect there to be. But sometimes there are people who, can, who name themselves. They give themselves a nickname and they name themselves or they go and legally have their name changed to something else. Like, you know, you heard of Joe Stinky. Joe Stinky got so tired of his name. He would go to the store, and they would say, what's your name? Or he'd hand them a check, and they'd say, Joe Stinky, and they'd, they'd giggle. And so he gosh, I hate that. So he went, and he would go somewhere else, and they'd say, what's your name? My name is Joe Stinky. And they'd go, <clears throat> and laugh a little bit, Joe Stinky, and go on. And then so this went on over and over and over. And for one day, finally, someone laughed when he said his name was Joe Stinky. And so that, that does it. That does it. I am changing my name. So he goes and he files a petition to the court and he fills out the paperwork and he goes before the judge to be granted. You have to be granted legal. It's a legal thing to change your name. And so the judge said, he said, you have to have a reason. Why do you want to change your name? He said, well, I don't like it. He said, well, what is it? He said, Joe Stinky. And the judge snickled. Snickled, snickled, <laughs> snickered, <clears throat> and he said, granted, what do you want to change it to? He said, Bob. Bob Stinky. It's a joke. <laughs> you got, okay, good. Okay, point being, some people make changes that really don't affect a thing. Now we're kind of low. So when we make changes, now that just goes with my name. Now many of us, none of us in this room have named ourselves. None of us. How many of you are named after someone in your family? Okay, so we got a name after. You're named at first, middle, or name. You're named after some. Okay, so we got Michael Eddie Sanders over here. His dad's name was Eddie Elwood. It's like the lesser of two evils. Which were you going to choose, Eddie or Elwood? You know what I'm saying? Okay, come on. Now, who, who else? Who you named? Shelby Lynn. So Lynn is a name after someone. And who named you? Oh, we got the namer and the namee right here together. Who else has it? You're named after someone. Michael? There you go. The second, okay, so you are a second, okay? Did you know, did you carry it with a third? No, you stopped it. No, okay, you don't, no more, okay. 
Okay, see, now we have, and uh, my name is Andrea Lee. I'm not named after anyone. I was supposed to have been Jacqueline Delane. My dad's name is Jackie. My mother said I will not have two Jackie Bookers. So that was, you know, sometimes people stop things. They just don't want it anymore, you know, like no more. But see, what's interesting, let's turn now to um, Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. A very common scripture. When we talk about names, all of us have our name from someone else. Unless we're the rare person who actually, or even more rare, I think it's becoming, it's not common by any stretch of the imagination. I'm trying to find a translation that has that. Is that for a kid to name themselves. I mean, how many, you know, you got the hippie parents. They don't name their child. They let them choose a name when they get old enough. Anybody do that in here? I'm going to make fun of you if you did. So just stand. Okay, good. Just letting you know, don't raise your hand unless you can stand the ridicule. But if you did that, you deserve ridicule. Just saying. Okay, so Isaiah 43. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So when we read that, we understand who is Jacob. Israel, but we know that Jacob was first a, an individual person, right? He was Abraham, went back, the first patriarch of Israel. He became then Isaac and then Jacob, who wrestled with the Lord at Peniel. And what did God do? Or he wrestled with a man, that's what it says. He wrestled with a man and he changed his name to Israel. And so now as we're talking about this, we are not referring to the man Israel any longer, are we? We're referencing here in this scripture the nation of Israel. But the point I want to make is the person who formed you, who is responsible for you, did what? Named you. Now, see, that's a very interesting concept that we have to let settle in because mankind had forgotten who formed them because of the fall in the garden. Mankind, the whole of mankind had forgotten who had made them or formed them. And so... They had allowed their identity or their name to be called something according to their own understanding with regard to their heritage, their history, which produced their habits. See, your name came from somewhere, but you did not, your identity came from somewhere. You didn't choose it. Now, that's not to say that the name that you've been given, the, the, um, all the characteristics and the, the good, bad, and the ugly that are totally a result of your choices have now become a part of the identity of that name, right? But it started 
with here's your name. And now all of your, your choices, all of your, the good, the bad, and the ugly that now have become the aggregate of who you are, your name, your identity, where did all the good, bad, and the ugly come from? Came from your choices, which came from what? Your heritage, your history, which created your own habits as you espoused how someone named you. Now, I hope this is starting to get through, is that your name is your identity. Now, many of us think just because, how many of you remember the year 1800 like it was yesterday? (laughs) Keith does. It was a fine year. None of us remember the year 1800. How many of you think that the year that 1800 was a long time ago? Feels like it. How many of you think it was a long time ago in the mind of God? Oh, no. It was a nothing. It was like flipping the page, right? (laughs) If even. Not even flipping a page. It's like the word on the top and the word in the middle, right? I mean, it's nothing compared to him. But yet, in our purview and our vantage point of something that seems like whatever happened since you have no cognitive understanding of the 1800s or what went on that whatever's back there says part of your how many you know you have a history in the 1800s there's something you have a heritage there it's back there and so you're this is this starts when you start to really think about this who you are today is anchored somewhere there. We can just keep on going, can't we? I often think that I like history, not like just to read history books, but I love, I mean, if you come to my house and you're going to watch TV with me, you better get used to a British accent. I watch PBS, Masterpiece Theater. I watch historical things, do I not? I mean, Mike now, I have so shaped him into my way of thinking. He doesn't even like metal on metal anymore, right? I knew when Jacob was home, I knew Jacob came home for, you know, the holidays. And so I heard, the TV came on, and this is what I heard. I knew instantly. I didn't have to hear a line. I didn't have to walk in there. I knew he was watching Star Wars. It's all you have to know. That's Star Wars. But see, when you come to my house, I, I mean, now I think about, I watch those historical things, and I always think about things that are set in the 1500s, the 1600s, the 1700s, and I always think about, I had ancestors on the ground. I had people, I don't know if they lived through the bubonic plague, but they lived long enough to get the next person on the ground to get me. I mean, think about that. You have a history, a heritage that is of a survivor. See, we always sometimes think of our our heritage of it being something all corrupt and bad. And it may be a lot of that. But then there's, you got here by the sovereign grace of God. You're here today. And everything that's happened in the past that you can't see, the darkened past. Okay, let's say you had a mother or a father who did you wrong. I mean, I hope you didn't, but a lot of people do. And it impacts their life for generations. Have you ever thought of the fact that they had a mother or father that did them wrong? 
And they had a mother or father that did them wrong. And they had a mother or father that did them wrong. And that was just handed to you. And then when, they, and when you were born and you were just an innocent child having not chosen right or wrong, and they, they looked at you and they called you by name. When I see people who are living under a bridge and they just look like a twisted example of what they should be. And I don't mean that in a bad way. But they're just a shell. They're just a, a fragment of who they should be or could be. I look at them and I always, I never not think of the fact that once they were just an innocent child on the day they were born. And somebody clipped their umbilical cord and tied it off. And they socked a little blue or a pink toboggan on their head. And they cleaned them up and they weighed them. And in that moment, they probably were a source of joy for someone. Isn't that something? They were, a, and even if they weren't, a source of joy for a mother or a father or a grandparent, or a great-grandparent, or a great-great-grandparent. They were still a source of great joy for the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. And when they looked into your little, didn't even look in your eyes, they were probably closed tight, and they named you. They named you according to maybe someone. They didn't choose a bad person. Even if you're named after an ancestor, they named you after that in hopes that you would take on the good qualities of that person. Is that true or not? That you would carry on. And so many times we carry on so many things in our life that are, have nothing to do with the identity of the one who ultimately made us. God told Jeremiah, before I formed you, before the biological process took place, in a mother and a father, before I formed you, before X chromosome and Y chromosome were determined at a cellular level, before I formed you, I knew you. And that word knew, it's not some, see, we have knew. I knew you. Oh, yeah, I know that person. See, we have in our English language very <clears throat> un, or rather ambiguous terms for things. In the Hebrew word, new, I believe it's yada, Y-A-D-A. There's only one word for new. It is intimately acquainted. It's the same word that a husband knew his wife. It's one new. Intimately acquainted. You weren't just somewhere in the, in the, you know, God's sovereign, so he just has like this library full. Of, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. He knew you. And he gave your parents the privilege to name you. But ultimately, he wanted 
to name you. What if, what if, I mean, just let's dream with me. Just dream with me. What if <clears throat> on the day you were born, for me it was September the 29th, 1971 at 1.35 in the morning. How many of you know? The day? You already know. You already said you're in your mind. Take that. I mean, I hope everybody knows their birthday. Even if you don't know the day and the hour, please, God, know their birthday. You know. So here, September the 29th, I have my family of origin. I'm named Andrea Lee Booker. What if, in the, in the, in the mind of God, what if I could somehow step all the way over the heritage and the history of all those generations that brought me to 1971 in the middle of the night, September the 29th. And I could be connected to the one who really formed me. What if I had not been marred or misshapen or misinformed or misidentified by lies, by half-truths, by untruths, by, by a narrative that said I was not wanted or I was rejected? What if I could step from that day of the day I was born and all of the heritage, the history could be wiped away and I only had one assignment of you are accepted and you are loved? And my name, Andrea Lee Booker, now Sanders, could be attached only to a heritage and a history that says you are chosen and you are beloved. How many of you think your life and your choices might be different? Well, I have good news for you. Enter the gospel the good news. The good news is, is that the Bible says in Ephesians that you were predestined for adoption as sons, as children of God. And so when Christ died, he paid the penalty for sin, all of sin, past, present, and future. There was a point in history in Jerusalem in that day that we can mark by historical events. There was a real place, a real time, a real cross, <clears throat> a real man. There were real apostles or disciples at the time. There were a real Roman government. There was a real Pontius Pilate. There was a real Barabbas. There were really two thieves. There was real, that was a real place in time. How many of you believe that? The reality is this, at that real place in that real time, the God who created it all before he said, let there be light, he saw that real place in that real time. And he rested on the seventh day because all the sin of humanity was settled at the cross even on the seventh day. This earth could still withstand the scrutiny of a righteous God 
who through loving eyes could look. And he would have to deal with sin. He would have to deal with sin if he was right. He would have to deal with sin. And he did. Before he said, let there be light. And so in the real historical, chronological time of human history, Jesus became, he was born of a virgin. He was fathered by the Holy Spirit. Right? That's scripture. He was not attached to the Adamic race. He was attached to woman. Right? But he was not attached to man. Genesis 3.15, God just came storming through right there. And she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. And what was conceived in her was of the Holy Spirit, for she had not known a man. And so she had a baby in her, the Christ child, Emmanuel, God with us. Because, as Mike said one day, not to blow my mind in service, he said, why did God, why did he have to be born of a woman? What did you say? Because the creator could not be created. He had to be born. I was like, you have those moments when he says, I was like, <sighs> you know, like you're just like, something about that made me feel weird. And it was cool at the same time. <laughs> it's what we call an epiphany, that my brain's not big enough to really grasp all. I just grasped moments of it, and my rest of my brain went, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And so we have that, and we understand that when Jesus was, died on the cross, all of the sin, let's, can we just let our mind rest on this for a second? All of the sin passed. It had to be atoned for. All the ones who died in Noah's flood, Sodom and Gomorrah, all the Canaanites, the Hivites, all of the ones, the, the murdering, massacring, every pedophile, every rapist, every criminally insane, all the sin of Charles Manson, Ted Bundy. Adolf Hitler, oh, Adolf Hitler, all of a sudden are y'all just like, it's kind of starting to make you a little bit like queasy. That's that's a supernatural it's a supernatural occurrence because all that I see is not all there is. Obliterates obliterate yeah, it's a hard word for me to say. Obliterate, is that right? It sounds like you're, it's always a speech impediment word, isn't it? Yeah. Oblither. Oblither. Yeah, y'all know. It does that. It just, 
I can describe it. I can't say it. It just, all the sin. Okay, now, now, that's, is that a fact or not? It's a spiritual fact, too. All, okay, so we got all those sins, right? Jesus sunk completely into the fallen, edemic nature. And we know it because when he said on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He called him my God, not Father. Showing us he fully was identifying. He felt the weight. He felt it the weight of what sin had done and how he instantly began to see his father as just God, a forsaking God. As he bore every one of your sins, maybe they were packaged right beside Adolf Hitler's. You see what I'm saying? You see, you see how now sin all of a sudden just has on, and now all of a sudden that person who hurt you so badly, and I have to take the same medicine as y'all do, because you know I got messed too, right? All the same sin, that one you're holding that you can never, because you feel like to forgive them will make somehow it okay. That's the revelation of the cross. And so all the sin, but it didn't stop. It was past, it was a present sin. It was Pilate's sin. It was Caesar's sin. It was every sin. All sin was dealt with. The future sin, because that includes you, right? All of the sin, even the sin that you haven't committed yet, but you will. All of it. Put on the Son of God, the Son of Man, the last Adam. And so how you were tied up in the first Adam and his dysfunction and his deformity and all of his transgression and all. See, that's where your heritage goes back to, guys. See, you're trying to blame your grandpa, your great-grandpa, your great-great-great-grandpa, and you might go back, you might get back to 1800 and even 1700. Some of you who are real history enthusiasts, you might get back to 1500. I can pull up my Ancestry.com, and it will take me back to England. I am as English, I should be speaking in the British, in the Queen's English right now. I am the most unimaginative person in the world. Mike is exactly the same as me. I was scared when his came back. I was afraid I'd married my cousin. <laughs> yes. I mean, my people did nothing but knit and marry their neighbor. <laughs> Clearly, they didn't. They went nowhere. I didn't. He's not on my cousin list. I looked all the way like to six. That's as far as it goes. And I did not... I just, <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> I, biblically, yeah. My, my wife, my sister. That song's a Solomon for you. Anyway, my, my lover, my sister. You're like, whoa, turn the page, turn the page. <laughs> That's such songs of Solomon. So we, you know, it gets weird if you don't look through the right lens. So we have that here. So all of that, all of our heritage. So when God, now, now back to this, on the day you were born. 
What lens did God see you through? Which is? I heard somebody say Christ. He only sees you through the blood of Christ. Now, if he didn't see you through the blood of Christ, what would that be an offense to? Who would that be an offense to? Himself. It would be through his very, he'd be offense to Christ. You know what I mean? If he didn't honor. If he chose to look at you on that day through your heritage, your history, and said, your parents named you and that's who you are. You're a, I'm from a long line of losers. Outcasts and abusers. See, it's when you believe that's your assigned identity, you behave it. Because it becomes your perspective. It's the guiding light to your life. And you make decisions based on how you see yourself, which has been shaped in distrust, in misinformation, in distortion, in the viewpoint of somebody who got off the Mayflower. And that was just a minute ago, y'all. Just... And so it is no big deal for God at the moment you were born to look at you through the lens of Christ and see you only as perfected, complete, and whole. Now, now some of you may think, are you preaching universalism? No. See, is, is, is every person going to be saved? Is every person already saved and don't, doesn't know it? It's the hope of God that every man would be saved. Because unless you take your measure of faith and assign it to that truth, then you are only going to be living what you believe about yourself. And it's attached to your grandpa, your great-grandpa, your great-great-grandpa, or your grandma. You see what I'm saying? Then we live that out and we have all these distortions and contradictions in us. And this Bible becomes something that is so, what we should, it becomes a list of rules to follow to take and train our distortion. And it's not. It's not. The Bible is a book of promises of a God who loved humanity so, 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 so much. He came to redeem their distorted identity and to name them. Because the one who made you gets to name you. He names us beloved. He names us whole. He names us highly valued. He names us healthy. He names us beautiful. He names us grace-filled. He names us powerful. I mean, what else does he name us? Why do you think so many times in the Word of God he changes someone's name? To show, I name you. I called you by name. You are mine. See, the preaching of the gospel is not so much about convincing people that they are screwed up. They already know that. The reason people are resistant to the gospel is because we come to them 
convincing them that they are screwed up and we are not. Is that not true? And then people are like, you screwed up. I see you. And so they start to do what I would do, right, logically. So you think you're not screwed up and you think I am? What am I going to do now? I'm going to park myself outside of your house, and I'm going to watch how badly you screw up. I'm just pointing to Shelby, for instance. You see what I mean? Do you, have, you ever, have you ever gone to that combat with somebody? Of course you have. You're screwed up, and you need Jesus, and I'm, oh, you're not screwed up? Because we don't really understand what makes us not screwed up. We think our behavior, that we can follow a scripted set of rules, is what makes us not screwed up. See, that was never what made us not screwed up. Because if we could get unscrewed up with just rules, the law would have worked just fine. And it didn't because you were screwed up to your core. You were screwed up all the way to your edemic beginning. So the problem has never been your grandpa, your great-grandpa, your grandma, your great-grandma, your great-grandma, really not, right? Your problem has been me because I was born in Adam. That was, wait, I'm looking around my grandparents and all their dysfunction. I'm looking at Adam and Eve, mom and dad. Just dysfunctional mom and dad. Dysfunctional parents. That's right. But see, but what, when I came, the good news is, is now I have been introduced a new a new heritage, which is going to bring about a new history, which is going to bring about new habits. We call those behaviors, our daily. And, and all I did is I, I came to the place where I stood in a Baptist church at vacation Bible school at 11 years old, and a preacher introduced me to the gospel. He told me that we all had sin in our lives. He, in the way 11-year-old would understand it, that we all had been sinners because we were born in a world of sin, connected all the way back to the original sinners, sinners who were Adam and Eve. And the only way to be free of this original sin and the original sin not only of Adam and Eve, but even the, the sin that I have partaken in willingly and do so every day that I now have identified myself as a sinner and that the only way to be free from that was to receive the free gift of Jesus of God who was sent his son in the form of Jesus Christ who died for my sins along with all the sin of the world past, present, and future. And if I put my faith in the completed sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that then I could be born again with a new heritage, a new history, and I could be assigned a new identity and receive there's a new name written down in glory and it's mine and I could now bypass all the crap that I called my house and I could step and I could move into a new household called the household of faith and I could be solely and completely there oh yeah I'd have a lot of old thinking to deal with but that's okay he's got plenty of time and lots of strategies and resources to get me through that and then I said you know what I don't want to walk up there and embarrass myself but I I feel like with my heart pounding like a wild wildebeest under my chest, I feel like this is probably something I'm supposed to do right now because I feel like if I walk out of this building, I'm going to die and go to hell. So I went. And I grabbed a pastor's hands and I repeated this simple sinner's prayer. And a new blood entered my body. 
And I was changed. You can't convince me that I wasn't changed. I went back to my seat going, because I just had this, not everybody gets a vision like that, but I just had this whole floating up to the ceiling vision. I thought everybody did because I had never been saved before. Went back to my seat. And a life was turned on inside of me. And now, when I talked to this father, I had a father in my house. He wasn't all that reliable. I loved him. But he had a very shallow resource pool, if you know what I mean. And so I began to talk to this other father. And he answered back. And when he told me to do things, I did it. And it worked. And now I have, a, I have a new life in me. Now I'm telling you, if you haven't had a born-again experience, then maybe all you've had is a mental ascent of faith. That all you've done is you've just heard a religious performance of a true spiritual, that's supposed to be a true spiritual transfusion where I got a new identity. And every time I tried to go back and re-identify myself with the old identity, there was such conflict. I was ruined to be the kind of sinner I once was. How many know what I'm talking about? I'm just going to go back and do that. that was, I think I remember that being fun. I mean, I can make myself do it. You know what I'm talking about? But the whole time is like, Go back home and say, God, don't leave me. Don't leave me. Oh, God. See, there was a new identity, and that identity is saying, uh-uh, not today. That's not what I called you. That's not who I see you as. Stop that. Stop that. How many know what I'm talking about? How many know I'm t- See, that is being born again. And I have a new identity and a new assignment. And my new identity and my new assignment has a new purpose. And you know what? I, don't, I found what? I don't have to be good at stuff to be good at stuff. It gave me a new perception. I now look in the mirror and see possibility. I don't feel like I have to carry out the old heritage and history. that the, If I did, y'all, if I just lived like those who lived before me, I'd be a party in jail. I'd be in jail. I'd probably be dead, truth be known. I'd be in jail for sure. I'd be a drug addict. I'd be a whore. Oh, you can't say that in church? I'd be committing whoredom. A whoremonger. You see what I'm saying? And many times, I say people all the time, they get born again and they try to go back and re-identify. Turmoil. I want to tell them, if you would stop trying, you can't go back to that life of sin. You'd be better off to have never known. 
than to know and try to go back and rehash out some old life that you want, that you said you were giving up. Because when you said, Jesus, I give my heart to you, he meant it. And he said, I'll take possession of that. And all the crap and the muck and the distortion and all the identity crisis that going on inside there, I will take them on one by one. And I will assign my wrath to every enemy that is in your heart that has been handed to you from your grandpa or your whoever or your own choices. It doesn't matter. And I will take over and I will rout those suckers out. And you many times will feel like it's my wrath aimed at you. Oh, but it's not my wrath aimed at you. It's my wrath aimed at every enemy that is in you trying to pervert and stop the identity that I have called you to because I have redeemed you. You are mine. I have called you by my name. So you just go ahead and try to fall off into sin and it'll hurt like hell. How many of you would let your kids go and fall off into sin without you trying to stop them with everything you have within your power? I've told my kids that. I didn't care. They might want to go into sin, but I made them scareder of me than they were of anything else. I said, if I find out you're in a beer joint, I will be the crazy mom in there. You don't know embarrassment. Laney one time had a boyfriend I didn't approve of. It was just a wrong relationship. I was over there weeding my flower bed, and she was out there talking to him in his flatbed redneck pickup. That wasn't in my vision for him, for her. You know what I'm talking about? I'm weeding my flower bed and praying. God, I pray that you break up this relationship. And just, you know what I'm doing? You know what the Lord told me? Instantly. He, t- I mean, he talks to me. I hear him. He said, I'm not going to do anything that you're not going to do. He said, this is under your jurisdiction, not mine. He said, if you want to stop it, stop it. I've given you full authority to do so. Stop trying to abdicate your responsibility and push it off on me because you don't want to look bad. I still had weeds in my hand. I'm talking about weeds, like a big, because you don't want to lay them down, so you've got to pick them back up. So I had all, I'm just gathering these weeds and that root and dirt. You know what I'm talking about? Laney still remembers this this day. I mean, I just all of a sudden took hold of something. Something took hold of me. I remember. It's always like God's going, remember who you are. I stood up and I went, I had this in my hand. I'm, you know, I'm a real just stick, you know, I'm a real flamboyant kind of a talker. So Lainey says, mom, I remember that day you were slinging weeds and dirt were going everywhere. I walked out there. I said, you get out of here right now. Get out. I had these weeds in my hand. So the dirt's just slinging, you know, I said, you get out of my property right now. Don't ever come back. You understand me? That boy's like, he's 17 years old. What? I said, I told you to leave and leave now. Never come back here again. Never. Do you understand me? You leave and you leave now. That's what I did. Those big pops burst open and he tore out my, and Lane's going, get in the house. Still got the weeds in my hand. You get in the house. See, in her mind, she thought I was whipping them with weeds. Mom, you know that day, because, you know, you came out there and you were sling, you were hitting us with weeds. I never hit y'all with weeds. That might have been a good, that's how she saw it. 
She goes to her room. I put the weeds down at this point. I went in there and I said, I will not see you give over your destiny to something that is beneath you. This is how you'll live when you live in my house. And I'll tell you one thing. If you want to leave this place and go find your life with him, you do so now. But today is the day you make your decision. I'm staying here. Then he had some nerve. He came to my office. My boss was funny because my boss was scared of me. He went, he went, Andrea, I won't call his name. He's here to see you. I went, I mean, I've got on this, you know what I mean? I'm, when I, you switch something in me, Katie, bar the door. He came and sat down in my office. He said, I want you to know, I'm still going to see your daughter, and I'm going to go to your church every Sunday. I said, you're not going to my church. I said, if you go to my church, I will haul you off myself. I said, you see, I don't care. I can't get embarrassed. I said, I will run you out of that church just like I did out of my driveway. And it will not be pretty or fun for you. But I don't care because I've got more skin in the game than you do. And I said, if you want to go to church... I said, you could have gone to church to pass 10 years. I said, you pass 15 churches before you make it to my church. If you wanted to go to church, you could go to any one of those. I said, I'll tell you what. If you really wanted to go to church, you would go sit by your mama on that pew where she's been sitting for the last 20 years by herself. But I think that what you want to do is bother me and not go to church. I said, so if you see me again, it will be at the most unpleasant thing that has ever happened to you. You get me? Yes, ma'am. Now, some of you think that wasn't very Christ-like. I think that was the most Christ-like example of how God deals with every perverse thought. If you see, replace that boyfriend with every lie. Replace that boyfriend with every distorted image of yourself. Replace that boyfriend with everything that comes against who he believes you to be according to Christ. And let that play out. And he was willing to go take stripes for your healing because when he sees, he sees sickness in you, don't let the devil pervert the very glorious God by saying somehow he gets glory by you suffering. Would you get glory by seeing your children suffer? How many of you... Honestly, parents, if your children, your nine-month-old, one-year-old, five-year-old baby was suffering with cancer, how many of you would raise your hand and you would say, if I could take that from them, I'd take it in a second? See? You think that you're more righteous than God? You couldn't take it, it's why you didn't. But he could, and he did. So he was punished for all the sickness in our life. So it wasn't God punishing him. He was redeeming everything, all the penalty of sin. He didn't just save us, guys. He, what time is it? He sozoed us. He sozoed. Saved Delivered from your enemies, 
and healed of all of your diseases. When he said it is finished, that is how he identified you was through the lens, the perfected lens of Christ. When I say perfect, I don't mean that you're never going to fall again. That's not what perfect means in a biblical sense. It means whole. So I ask you today, who named you? Who named you? Jehovah. My mother got to call my name. What other people would call me as. But the identity that was associated to that name that would form the belief system in this child. That's what God got to call me. And anything in my life that has tried to pervert what God sees me as, I say, Father, assign your wrath. Come out of there with the weeds in your hands. Slinging the uprooted weeds. Isn't that good? Slinging those weeds at that addiction. Slinging those, that's not who you are. Get out of here. And many times, many, many times when that happens with God, we think, we, in our distorted view, we think he's mad at who? You see how I separated that? I ran the boy off and I sent the girl in the house. I ran the potential danger off. But in the moment of separating it, it seemed like my wrath was on the whole thing. And many of you have just been, you have believed the lie that God is mad and he's not trustworthy because he's a God who slings leaves, who, who takes weeds and tries to whip you with them. But that's not what he's doing. And if you went to his house and you got to know him, you'd find out the difference. But many of us have lived in his house and shut the door and never actually communed at his table. And we don't know who this guy is we live with. And one day we're going to go to heaven and it's going to be a shock to us to find out that he's better than we even thought. The people who said he was good, he's better than they even described. He's gooder than good. He's better than best. He's more great than the great. This, God, this salvation that we had was so good, I think the tears are going to be there because we're going to wish we could go back and we could shout it from the housetop. We could say, be redeemed to God. He loves you. Do you know what he did for you? You don't have to live like this. This is not who you are. Oh, my God. Well, I'm Buddhist. No, you're not. That's a stupid thing to say. That's according to your heritage, your history. You're God's child. Buddha can't name you. Krishna can't name you. Some inferior thing can't name you. So much of the church has been named by inferior things. Religion can't name you. Most of us are raised in the Bible Belt, right? And you have been so programmed by religion. You wouldn't know what true relationship with the Father was if it came and bit you on the nose. You're always trying to pacify an angry God. He's not mad at you. See, some people when I say that, they instantly think I'm preaching heresy. He's not mad at you. 
He's not mad at you. He's mad at all the distortion you've got yourself wrapped in. And when he's coming at that distortion, it's so closely associated with you, it sometimes feels like it's aimed at you. And many of us cling, cling, cling to the distortion, don't we? Wrap ourselves up in that old sinful lifestyle because it's the only one we knew. And it was easy. And there were moments, there were moments that it seemed to pacify us. But you know, the old philosophical geniuses, the eagles. The, what is the song? You're losing all your highs and lows. Ain't it funny how the feeling goes away? You know what used to make you feel good? It takes a little more to make you feel good, and it didn't leave you feeling good. And you just keep wrapping yourself in distortion. Oh, it's one more woman I need. It's one more man I need. No. One more drink, one more line, one more smoke, one more shot, one more hit. It's one more. Because all you're trying to do is outrun a history or a heritage that was assigned to you by an inferior voice. Not the voice of God. Because when Jesus said, it is finished... As Joel says, in one fell swoop. I don't have that kind of stride. He redeemed the years that the locusts, that the caterpillar, that the destroying locusts ate. And if you know anything about locusts, you study that out. That is the different levels of a locust swarm. They will eat the fruit off a crop. Many of you don't even know where the fruit was eaten off of your heritage. It was so far back in the past, you have no idea. You've never actually seen your bloodline lived in fruitfulness. Ate the fruit off the crop. Then the next layer would come in and they would eat the leaves Then the next group would come in and they would eat the stalk. Then the next group would come in and they would devour the very root system. Many of you are living after all the swarms have come. And in one moment, he said that he would restore the years. So when I said, Jesus, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. He restored the years. He redeemed my innocence. It was as if he put me back in a garden with another Adam, a last Adam. And all of my going forward was from his loins and not from the loins of that old Adam. And I was completely new. But the only problem was is I still had a lot of performance issues of an old habits that were in my life. And so all of those things had ingrained as enemies. And God went to work on them one by one by one by one, doing battle with them, pulling the weeds and slinging it around until he finally got that flatbed truck chased out of town. And then when they tried to come back and they showed up at his office, he said, I dare you. 
I double dog. I want you to try to come after her because I want to bury you. Ultimately, I did. When Hepboy came in that office, I wanted him to show up at my church. You know why? I wanted to finish it. Now, some of you don't have my personality, and some of you do. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I would have had no trouble at all. I have this ability to completely block out everything but what I'm going for. And so does God. He loves you that much, guys. He has called you by, that's how he identifies you. So when you're sunk down in the quagmire of sin, wondering, oh, just a few more weary days in the end. No, no, there's no weary, come on. He has redeemed you. He has called you by name. He says, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, let's do the rest of it. I will, they will not be kin. Let's just read it right, Andrea. I'm just going to butcher it, trying to quote some distortive. Y'all ready? We're leaving on this, so let's get ready. Everybody stand up. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, oh, put your name there, Andrea, you do it. But now, but now says the Lord who created you, oh, who formed you, oh, say it again, Andrea, fear not, I have redeemed you. Picture him chasing that boyfriend off. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame kindle upon you. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Now, if you can get any sin past that then you're welcome to but I double dog dare you to try because he'll come after it with vengeance is mine says the Lord I will repay and he did on Calvary when he said it is finished Lord help us to know whose we are let us only identify ourselves by your blood in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Yeah. You'll just find out you come from a long line of losers. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fun, though. It's fun. Did I miss something? Oh, this was the Spanish? You could have come, yeah.